don't anticipate to be very long with this. In fact, I just anticipate that we're going to go over some things. We're reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. And it's in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Father, I ask you just to guide my thoughts, direct my words to speak that which you would speak to your congregation, to your people this morning. I thank you that you have made something good out of all of us. It's remarkable what you've done in our lives. And for this, we give you praise and thanksgiving. We just stand in amazement, not only of who you are, but of what you have done. We thank you, Lord. Now bless the ministry of your word. In the name of Jesus we ask, amen and amen. For the word of God is active. And living. We've talked much over the years about the necessity for speech that is reflective of the principles of God's word. Probably the greatest shortcoming of the church is that we express our love and devotion to God. We've become children of God, but we have failed to acquire and apply the language of the kingdom. And let me tell you something right now. We Pentecostals, the Charismatics, maybe have gotten sidetracked a little bit because we place such an emphasis, and rightfully so, on speaking in tongues. Let me just say this about that, and speaking in tongues is, is critical to us. If we're going to mature in the spirit, because many times you need to pray and your flesh, your mind, your understanding doesn't know what you're supposed to be praying about. Or you may think you ought to pray about a thing in a certain way, and that's not the way God wants you to address the situation. And so that's where the value of speaking in tongues comes. It, it comes from, it's our prayer language. We speak to the Lord. Actually, at this particular point, through your prayer language, you're not praying with your mind, with your intellect. You're praying with your inner man, the spirit man. I need a glass of water or something. <clears throat> so it's important, especially you young people, to understand that praying in tongues isn't just something that is foreign, just something that, you know, old people do or... It is something that every born again child of God has the right, the privilege 
and the opportunity to do. It's a gift that God has given to us. It comes with life. It comes with life. And if you're having struggles in your, uh, in your walk with God or in your relationship with people, the thing you need to do is recognize, I might not know to, how to pray the way I should be praying. We're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. Well, your spirit does. In Romans, Paul tells the church that the spirit speaks according to the mind of God. Mysteries that you and I are not aware of. And it speaks in inaudible speech. Paul describes it as moanings and groanings and, 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 and phonetics that are foreign to us. They may be foreign to your mind. But they're not foreign to your spirit because that is its native language. Your spirit man's native language is spiritual talk. And if you're going to have your spirit pray unto God, if you're going to join God in agreement, it has to be spirit to spirit, not flesh to spirit. Hello? So we need to learn how to exercise this ability that God has given to us to strengthen our spirit. And, and another thing, I, oh, I started to say one of the problems that the church has, uh, has brought upon itself since the charismatic and Pentecostal movements is that we think if we just speak in tongues, hallelujah, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I, you know, I can go out and conquer the world. No, you can't. You've got the powers of God in us, and we can conquer the, God, uh, the world through the power of God, but just speaking in tongues is just communication of our natural, of our spiritual man to the mind of God, understanding of God. So we've got to learn how to pray effectively. We've got to learn how to pray Fervently. Several weeks ago, I shared with you some insights into that wonderful miracle that took place in Mark chapter 9, where this father brought his son to the disciples, and his son was afflicted with some kind of problem. Uh, the writers called it demon possession, and it probably was. I'm not here to define it one way or the other, but it was something that was frightening. This little boy would throw himself down, foam at the mouth, roll around the ground. Sometimes he'd throw himself into water, and the father wasn't there. He would drown or throw himself into fire. It was a horrible nightmare for the father. And then one day... Father heard about the miracles of Jesus Christ. So he did what any of us would do at that time, especially out of desperation. He sought out the Lord. When he finally came upon the meeting of the Lord, the Lord wasn't there at that time, but his disciples were. So he brought the boy to the disciples, told them what the situation was, and he asked the disciples, would you pray 
that my son gets delivered from this spirit. And I know the scriptures don't go into all detail, but I think if you understand human nature enough, you can probably grasp what was going on at this point. Initially, I'm sure Peter and the others would have thought, yeah, okay, cool. We're going to pray for him because they had seen miracles. They have laid their hands on the sick. People, you know, were healed. They've seen blinded. And Jesus had sent them out in his authority. And so I'm sure that at this particular point, the disciples, when they received the boy, received him with an aura of spiritual confidence and laid hands on him, poured oil on him, or whatever they did, they did, and they just began to pray in a loud voice, God, heal this boy. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I'm sure that they just didn't pray one time. I'm sure that they tried many, many different times. I'm sure that every one of the disciples who were present probably laid his hands on the boy and wanted deliverance. You know, just imagine, it, it, it seems very obvious that God should heal this boy. He's a little boy. He's got a compassionate father. He's being afflicted by the enemy of the kingdom. Obviously, this boy should be healed. But he wasn't. And so there's a lot of discussion going on. And about that time, Jesus comes up to them and says, Hey, what's all this discussion about? What are you, what are you, what are you, you know, a little contentious. And so they came and reported to him, Well, this man brought his son. Calls the guy. Father says to him, tells him the story of his afflicted son. I'm sure that as Jesus looked into the eyes of that father, he must have seen the brokenness, the fear, you know, the, the willingness, like any loving parent, if you had the opportunity. You would trade places. Put the affliction on me. Really, and believing in God and the confusion, the doubt. And finally the testimonial, the confession. Jesus, I don't understand. I took my boy to your disciples. And I had them pray for him. Nothing has changed. And Jesus said to him, Sir, if you have faith, believe, all things are possible. You remember the man's confession, the openness, the transparency? He said, You know, Lord, I believe. I believe. You know, I have this intellectual knowledge of what you can and could do and what you have done, I believe. But someplace in that deepest re recess of my heart, help my unbelief. 
What do I have to do? And Jesus just went over to the boy, spoke to him, and instantly, instantly, the child was healed. He was delivered. And everybody rejoiced. But after the people left, the disciples marched into the presence of Jesus, probably sat down, looked at him and said, uh, <clears throat> got a question for you, Jesus. What's that, Peter? How come we couldn't deliver him? You gave us authority. You gave us the right. Why was it that we weren't able to deliver this boy? And the answer that Jesus gave to the disciples have been words that have been misunderstood for millennia. He said, you know what? You didn't pray effectively. You prayed according to religious concepts. Because this can only happen if you pray. Many translations added phrase and fast because that's a religious thing to do right when you want God to intervene in your situation you need to pray you need to fast you need to deny yourself you need to make all kinds of promises I'll do this I'll do that please God barter with God and most commentators Many translators, they passed over the heart and soul of what Jesus was saying to these disciples. And because of that, so many times our prayers are ineffective. And we wonder why. Blame it on our faith, blame it on their faith. But what Jesus was saying was not just to pray as if we need to tell God what he's going to do. Prayer is not our information hotline to God. God, you see the world. You, God, you know, that's another misconception we have and something I really want to teach all of us is the medium of intercession. We think intercession is just going through some religious prayer chain and saying things and doing. Here is the key. You see, the word that Jesus used in the original, at least the ones that, the one that Mark attributed to the word pray, was not the normal word that is used to pray in the New Testament, the Greek word. The normal word is prosukani. And wherever you see it, it's always translated pray. But there is a derivative of that word. One of the roots of that word, which is prosuke. Prosuke. And that's the Greek word 
that's used here when Mark recorded this account. Proshuke. There's a difference between the two words. The original Greek word means pray to God. And we need to do that. Although we need to have an understanding of what prayer to God is all about. Prayer to God isn't for us to tell God what's going on with our lives or to do what we want him to do or expect him to do. When we pray, there needs to be a dialogue, not just a monologue. If you're not listening to what God is saying to you in your prayer time, then you're not praying. You're speaking to yourself. So that is the importance of prayer. Lord, here are these situations. How do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do? What's in your plans? What's in your will? How are you going to use this circumstance for your honor and glory? And I want you to understand and confess right now that regardless of the circumstance and situation that you see, regardless of how frightening they are to you, regardless of how distasteful they are to you, regardless of how humiliating they are to you, God takes all things and turns them and converts them for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. You understand? No matter what it is. Even when you don't think God's answering your prayer. So let's look at the word that Mark wrote down. That Peter said. Jesus spoke. Prosuke. Where the conventional idea of praying is prayer, pray to God. But this word, when you take it apart grammatically, has a strange connotation. And you really have got to go into depth in understanding the root of the word. And there are some commentators, some lexicographers who have gone in and shared this. But most people just pass over it because it seems not sensible. Proshuke literally means not praying to God not but praying the prayer of God if your prayers aren't being answered according to your expectations it may be that your expectations are in the wrong place. Oh, well, somebody's here, uh, sick. It's God's will for everybody. God uses all circumstances, all situations for his honor 
and for his glory. Anything that is troubling you, if you look at it in the natural, will, will, will confuse you. It'll make you feel as if something's wrong in your life. But if you can understand that God has a purpose for every circumstance and situation you encounter, every one of them. And you stop just trying to pray to God, but start listening at the prayer of God. How many times in the earthly ministry of Jesus did he go to the temple? Who knows? But I think we can all agree in the course of the three years that there were multiple occasions. And yet we read in John that Jesus went about healing all those that were sick. So in our minds, we automatically associate that, think that means that there were no sick people left while Jesus was walking on the face of the earth. Uh uh. Jesus, when he healed, he healed with purpose. He healed according to the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. Because sometimes someone is sick, not healed. Not because God is angry or he can't do anything, but because God has another plan to manifest his glory through that sick person. The reason I ask you, how many times did Jesus go to the temple? How about the book of Acts? Huh? How about in the book of Acts? When Jesus already ascended into heaven. What did Peter and John do? They were going on their way to the temple, the same route Jesus took, and yet they looked, and there was a man on the side of the road who had been there every day since he was a little child. Never missed a day. Begging for him, a man that was crippled, withered limbs. How many times did Jesus pass this man? Think of that. Why? Why didn't Jesus reach out and just touch him and heal him? Because he knew there was a purpose in this man's life to manifest the glory of God. He knew there was a day that was coming when his chief disciples, apostles at this time now, were going to come by this place and this man was going to be the source of divine validation of their ministry. All things. Even the things we don't understand. Even the things that we want to change. Even the things that we think in some way or the other are going to 
accentuate the power of God, the glory of God. As a church, as a people, we need to recognize the awesome power of God. Yes, he is a healer. But God has a plan. It's got a purpose. And it's not just for your salvation. And it's not just for the salvation of your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. God's purpose is for the salvation of the whole earth. For the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth even as the waters cover the sea. It's all about his glory. And we need to just come and say, Lord, let us be humble vessels. Use me. Not so attention is brought to me. Not so that my desires are satisfied. Not so that my expectations are met. Use me, O oh Lord. To manifest your glory. And like my brothers of old. And my brothers even today. In certain countries. If it means being incarcerated. If it means walking into the arena. To be tore by ravaging beasts. If it means to stand before a firing squad. Lord I don't pray for the deliverance. I pray your will. I pray your will. Do with me whatever needs to be done. The only thing I ask is that my life is an exhibit of your glory. Teach me to pray. Not some ritualistic recital that I can go over and mumble over and over and over again. Teach me how to be so close to you that we begin to speak one voice. We share one mind. Let's learn how to wait. And not just pray to God, but learn how to pray the prayer of God. Don't just look at a situation and make an assumption that you know what God has got to do because you don't know. Maybe that lame man needs to hang around the temple grounds until God chooses to use him for his glory. So friends, never become dismayed. Don't get discouraged. When things aren't happening the way you want. Turn that discouragement into encouragement by recognizing I don't know what's going on but he does 
and I find my strength in the God of my salvation. I rejoice in Him. I don't have to know what He's doing. He does not have to do it the way I expect Him to. Regardless of what happens. I'm here to be a vessel of your honor and your glory. Is that your prayer this morning? Is that your prayer? Raise your hands unto God. Say, Lord, I want to be used for your honor and your glory more than anything else, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When Pastor Maryam was singing earlier about that boy on 42nd Street and how God was making something beautiful out of his life, I realized God took that boy on 42nd Street and made something beautiful out of my life. Because every life that's here today has been touched by that boy. And it's because of that simple desire to be used for his glory. And after that truly is our prayer, not to be used according to our plan and agenda, not to be used according to what we woke up wanting to do this morning, but to be used for his glory truly. No matter what comes, God can do the miraculous through us. And when we get to heaven, it'll take eternity just to see the things that have been done through our lives because of us being willing to be used. We can build a kingdom on earth and labor for it, or we can just simply submit and be willing to build the kingdom. Amen. I thank God for my father. And today we're honoring him and celebrating him today. Because it was supposed to be 14 months ago that we only had him for two weeks. And God said, no, we're not done. We're nowhere near done. And then the word that came forth this morning, Pastor, that word was for both of you. That word was absolutely for both of you. Because right before you gave the word, I was sitting there And I've said this many times before, that when I receive a word, I get a very visual picture. And I saw you in a room and a whole bunch of people just moving around and doing things. And you went to reach for something, somebody came and took it and moved it out of the way. And you were watching, and there was just so much confusion and chaos. And the conversation was just like a roar, and you were trying to listen to the conversations. And you just looked around and just dropped your shoulders and looked over at a chair and went and sat in the chair. And as soon as you sat in that chair, everything in the room stopped. It was almost like, I don't want to say defeat, but it was just like you were just sitting in the chair and saying, I don't even know what's going on here. You sat down in that chair. The minute you sat in that chair, everything in that room stopped. And all the chaos and the busyness and all the people just stopped and turned and looked at you. Sat down to listen. Thank you. My age, right? 
And, and I saw that, and God said, I'm doing something new. It may not, it may not be what's expected, but I'm doing something new, and it's not over. And I would like to say to you people, I want you to recognize how blessed you are. I know I don't need to tell you that. But when you enjoy something, and when you appreciate something, you share it. And we share our relationship with the Lord freely. We need to share what's going on in this house and share what's going on with our oversight and who they are. This morning, we have people from around the world who would like to send their blessing to Bishop. And there's one person, I'll have to tell you who it is because it's a crazy individual. <laughs> but, but I would like everyone to just turn your attention to the screens.